LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast hosted by LifeWay. Ron's mission is to help church leaders become better leaders, and I'm your host, Nate Edmondson. On the last episode of the podcast, we talked about how to know if it's time for your organization to make change. And today we want to have a follow-up conversation where we talk about some hidden objections to change. Pops, have you ever experienced any hidden objections to change? (laughs) Yes, many times, many times. You know, uh, I have thankfully been doing this long enough that I know they're coming. I don't know what they are yet. Um, As I speak, we are looking at some some pretty significant changes in in some things. And I'm being told, "Ah, nobody will care. You know, COVID changed all that. It's going to be fine. I'm not quite so sure yet, you know, so I'm going to hold out and, and, uh, and, and wait and see, but, uh, I've just learned there's some common, often hidden objections to change. And, and, uh, these are sometimes what I call the secret objections. Uh, no one admits to them, but they're real. In fact, they may be the biggest obstacles you'll face in trying to implement change. If, if you show me an objection to change and you're almost guaranteed to find one of those hidden in the crowd somewhere, you'll find these multiples of times, the ones we're going to talk about. Um, these hidden objections are also hard to admit, but they're true. And they're harder to admit in the church, and you'll understand that that will be a, a little more clear when we start to talk about them. But if you can understand these five hidden objections to change, it will better help you push through the change and see the change be successful. So let me ask a question real quick, because sometimes I uh, will be in meetings with people. And when I raise like, well, I think that people might have this objection. We just need to think about that. How could we best approach that? Uh, Sometimes I think that people perceive that I'm either one, trying to be a people pleaser, um, or two, that, you know, I'm not being a bold enough leader because a bold leader would just, here's what we're doing. You know, if you don't like it, uh, you can get over it kind of thing. Um, So why is it important to think about these hidden objections? Well, for one, let me, let me, um, let's make one up. Okay. And, And this is not the one I'm working on, but let's make one up. Uh, we're going to change our worship style from one worship style to another worship style. Okay. And, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but you know that you've been in church leadership long enough. You know, that's going to cause some real objections, right? The, the reason that's important is the same reason. Let me, let me give you a, um, another scenario. Let's say, that um, I'm trying to put it in a in a real practical but not over dramatic way. Um, let's say somebody walks into your office as pastor, and you know they've just lost their job, and they are um, struggling to make their house payment. Okay, that's their they're they're walking into your office with that. You know the right thing for them to do is to get back out there start putting their resume out and get, get a job, right? That, that's the right thing, right? Yeah. 
it's not very pastoral for them to walk into your office and you say, okay, I don't want any crying about losing your job. Get back out there and find a job. That's not very helpful, is it? <laughs> you have to first recognize the sense of loss there. Okay, I know this is hard and I understand, you, you know, the, the pain here. But what you're going to have to do and then redirect them. So part of pastoral leadership, especially Christian leadership, servant leadership, is understanding what people are actually dealing with on the other side of the change. But I would contend that's even good leadership in a business sense. Otherwise, you're you're um, you're uh, what's the word? I'm a dictator, not a leader. And leaders understand what people are going through. One of my favorite stories, and I won't get to it today, but you can look it up. First Samuel chapter 23, uh, verses 1 through 5. I see David, before he was king, doing that with his men where he, he understood the pain. They were, they were stressed out. They, were, they didn't think they could do what, what they were being asked to do. And he doesn't, he doesn't blast them for that. He, just, he, he still moves them forward, but he, it, it, it appears to me that he at least allowed them, allowed them to express their pain. Got it. That's helpful. Good analogy. Thanks for coming up with that off the top of your head. Yes, sir. So there's five hidden objections to change. And, um, and the first one is this selfishness, just selfishness. I mean, let's face it. We all want what we want, right? What's comfortable requires less sacrifice on our part. So I can become selfish when change is introduced because that's not really the way I want to do it. That's not really what I want. I mentioned earlier the worship wars. It's probably a, a very practical example that most pastors can can identify with. But we, we like to listen to the music that we want to listen to, not to the not to the music. Okay, let's say I'm, uh, we need to change our worship style a little bit because we need to reach a younger generation. Well, that younger generation is not what I want to listen to. I mean, that's not my music. So I, I can become selfish about it and object to, to the change. Now, I should say these five hidden objections, all of them can, can have sin issues behind them, and we should address them. But there are practical ways to address this, understanding that, okay, you're dealing with this. What we're really dealing with here is a, is a selfishness issue. And it is okay to have personal preferences. It's okay to like the kind of music you like or the style and that sort of thing. But maybe you can understand, okay, they're dealing with a little bit letting go here. So you can maybe meet them halfway where you can. Uh, understand, again, the sense of loss. And one way to do that might just be to, Throw a hymn in there every now and then. You know, you and I have talked about that so many times. Nobody objects to the hymns. Your generation doesn't object to it. My generation doesn't. The senior generation uh, or older than me generation, I guess I'm getting to the senior generation, but older than me generation, they certainly don't object to it. So, so okay, maybe it is selfishness that I don't want the worship style to change that much. But maybe there's something we can do where we get some some wins out of it together. But so and you wouldn't and you wouldn't characterize that as being a people pleaser, catering to people too much, holding coddling people and just treating them like a baby. It I would if nothing's ever changing. So okay, we're not changing anything because those people object to it. They're being selfish. 
that would be uh, that would be allowing sin, a sinful attitude of selfishness, because we're we're we are as believers to consider others interests ahead of our own. Right. That's a biblical principle. So if if I'm allowing them to win on every issue, whoever them is, then I would say that's people pleasing. But just recognizing, okay, this is this is hard. I'm having to give up something here. Put it in the context of you're married now. Um, and, you know, my wife, uh, Cheryl, likes Hallmark movies. I may prefer to watch a, a ball game, not as much as you do. I can't have the TV going all day on Saturday with with um, uh, ball games and say, no, you can't watch that. Hallmark movie that, you know, there, maybe there's a compromise here that we can work, work it out. I'm going to watch this game and then we're going to take a break and watch this movie or we're going to record this, and watch it later, whatever. But that's not, uh, you know, that's not just giving in to the self to the selfishness. That's actually, OK, let's let's be sensible about this. Got it. Makes sense. The second one is uh, the hidden objection is pride. Uh, we like our ideas because we believe our ideas are better than other ideas, right? And uh, and that's a prideful attitude. Uh, it may be true. Our idea may be better or it may not. But pride will get in the way and make us feel like we're objecting out of valid reasons because what I want to do is best. Um, I had... Um, uh, I had a situation in in a previous church with a deacon chair uh, in and we got sideways and I realized it, it it started it at what he claimed was a theological issue. I was probably a little more conservative than he was on on some issues. And at first I thought that was the issue. But then I realized I had called him out on that and I had injured his pride in the process. And so he began to object to other changes we were trying to make because pride was getting in the way. He couldn't say, yes, you're right, because his pride had been injured. And now, to be honest, in that one, I had to challenge in love. But this is really important. And, th and, and this is for all of them. And we kind of talked about, you know, the difference in uh, appeasing people, being a people pleaser and, and being a, a, a leader. We have to love people through their sin, right? We have to, uh, in fact, you can't, you're not very effective challenging people in their sin if you're not loving them in the process. I, th I think whenever Jesus, uh, I, I don't think you ever, when he was challenging you, ever questioned his love of you. So that's very important. But you have, for that one, if, it, if pride is in the way, it does have to be challenged. The third hidden objection to change is fear, simply fear. We are afraid of what could happen if we change. Um, change might uh, uh, launch a whole series of change, and that's that becomes very s scary. Uh, the, when I got to a manual um, uh, Baptist, not much had changed in, in a while. In, in fact, they had actually started reverting back to some old familiar ways, dissecting any changes that had been made in the, the last few years or the years with the previous pastor. And so they were falling back into some some what they were comfortable with, the old way of doing things. 
And so when we started to introduce change, it felt like snail pace to our staff that wanted things to change. It felt like we were moving so incredibly slow. But I had to keep reminding our, our, our uh, staff that it felt like rocket pace to them. It felt like things were moving so incredibly fast. And so it, it was producing fear in them. And the way to, to remedy that one is simply to communicate frequently and lovingly and talk about the why as much as you talk about what you're changing. Talk about why it's important that we're doing this and, and, and why you need uh, to make this change. Ad- address, address the fear. Okay, I realize this is scary, but here's why we're doing what we're doing. The, uh, the fourth one is, um, and these are hidden objections to change. The fourth one is power. Power. We want to make uh, the decisions for our life. And so we will resist when other people are making them for us. Uh, the re- reality is most of us have a very real and sometimes hidden desire to, for control. And we see this play out in the church many, many, many times. Uh, the, the places that I have seen this happen most where power is a hidden objection to change is whenever we've tried to change bylaws or structural governing structure changes in a church. Um, you're not maybe you're not going to have as many people that that have power or they're not going to be able to control things as much as they have in the past. Now, you may have to push through this one and uh, most likely you will. And to do that, you'll have to learn how to handle conflict. Um, make sure you're loving again. Uh, make sure you're right. Uh, make sure you're, you're making good changes. Make sure you're not trying to, 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 to uh, build your own power. So check your own heart first. But if all those check out, don't let the bullies win on this one. You'll have to push through that one. And, it, and it's very difficult. And you and I both walk through those, and they're very hard. Well, and a lot of times you had mentioned the bylaws changes or the governance changes, but a lot of times um, it's unspoken rules that give people the power that they have. It's not what's actually on paper. Um, well, you I know, I, you, well, go ahead. You, you'll you share an example. I'm going to share another one. Well, I'm, I'm not going to share an example. I was going to say, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but can you share an example of how to address it when it's, uh, there's a person who has a lot of power, but you know, on paper, it just, it, it, there's nothing written that says this. It's just the way that it's become. Well, w- one of the, uh, one example that I will share, and I'll try to make it as generic as I can because there are obviously people involved. But, and you've probably seen this one, uh, where you get somebody in the church that has a key to everything, everything in the building. And they began to use that. A key indicates power, right? I have control over that building. And they begin to use that in ways that are not helpful to the rest of the church. So they let groups meet. And nobody knows they're going to be meeting there. They, you know, they, it, it just can get out of hand. And I've had it a number of times where that's the case. Uh, and, and this is, this is also true. It's not just a key to a building. It could be a password to, you know, a church login system or admin privileges. You absolutely. Know, that, yeah. Well, um, uh, in, this church database that we use. Yeah. Um, there's one person who has admin 
uh, authority and they control everybody else is just an editor and you're not allowed to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we've seen that a dozen times. I mean, uh, in my in 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 one of my churches, I had there was one person and did exactly what you said. Uh, this person was the keeper of of everything, keeper of the database, keeper of information, because information is power. And you had to go through this person to have any access at all to that. And, and it was, it was keeping us from being effective and it, it just wasn't healthy, but it was a power thing. It was, a it, uh, so when we tried to push against that, that was the hidden objection was the loss of power. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is this kind of what we talked about uh, before you'll have to win this battle. You, you've got to win this one. And, uh, it, because again, it's a, it's a sin issue at stake, um, but it also is keeping the organization from the church from moving forward and from realizing its vision of making disciples. And one way that I do that is uh, again address the why. I try to make it as as uh, put on my vision casting hat and and my expressing of why and 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 see if people will line up with that. If they won't, then you just have to have the hard conversations, and that's. That's just why that's why we're called to be leaders. The last hidden objection and um, is is what I call satisfaction. It's we're satisfied. I mean, I, why do we, why would we want to change anything? I mean, this is this is good, right? I mean, uh, things are being done the way they've always been done. This is the way things are supposed to be, and and we like it that way. So. We're satisfied. We want things to stay the same. In our last podcast, we talked about why that is it can can be dangerous because while it may work now, eventually down the road, it's not going to work. In fact, I would say if it hasn't changed in a long time, it's probably not working as well as you think it is today if you really start looking at it. And, and so you have to push through that satisfied kind of objection. Um, uh, this is especially true when when change is not a part of the culture. When when uh, things it's been a while since things have people get settled. I mean, if you're in any church, you know people tend to sit in the same seat every week, and they like it that way. You know, they don't want to change. In fact, one of the biggest objections to uh, change in COVID was when uh, during the, the uh, our response to the pandemic was when we tried to seat people. And tell them where to sit in the auditorium. Man, you talk about some people getting upset because they were satisfied with their seat. And so if there's not a culture of moving people around and people sit somewhere different every week, which is probably not the case in most of our churches, you're going to you're going to find that objection. Um, and, you know, what I would say to that, the way to address that is change has to be more of a constant. You have to build a culture of change that, Hey, that's just the way we do things here. Uh, and that means you have to learn change management and how to make good changes. But, uh, change is a constant outside the organization. We have to, as leaders, make sure change is a part of inside the organization. It's critically important. Um, but it, let me just clarify as, as we close out, I don't believe we continue to continue to grow our organizations, our churches most of the time without some change. Change is just a part of, of life. And so failing to embrace change only leads to more severe problems later. 
But that doesn't mean change is ever easy. And I simply believe sometimes understanding the reasons and sometimes the hidden reasons behind the objection will help the leader better address the situation. So next time you, uh, you're facing some resistance, stop back, stop for a minute and ask yourself, what is, what is the hidden objection here that I need to know about and that I need to address? I think that's really helpful, Pops. There's, you're going to run into these in big ways and small ways. So I think this is really great. Absolutely. And if you're enjoying the podcast and we're hearing from lots of you that are, you would help us greatly if you would just like it, uh, subscribe to it. The subscriptions is huge. Download uh, the podcast, share it with others. It will help us continue to do. We thank, we are so thankful for the partnership with Lifeway and want to keep doing this. So get the numbers up there. So, so that they want to keep partnering with us. Have you listened to the five leadership questions podcast yet? The one hosted by Todd Atkins and Chandler Vinoy. They're part of our Lifeway podcast family. They recently interviewed Darren Gray, Jamie Ivey, Pete Scazzaro, and many more. Just look up five leadership questions on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.